And look, if you will, beginning at verse number 1. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse number 1. It came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city. Behold, it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved every man for his sons and for his daughters. But now notice this phrase. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. I don't know if you get the sense of what is being spoken about in this passage of Scripture, but probably one of the most distressing times. Now, if you read about David in the Scriptures, you know David went through a lot in his life, a tremendous amount of battles, both physical, spiritual, mental. He went through a lot of obstacles, had a lot of enemies oppose him. And yet here's a man that faced at this juncture in his life, this is before he's king, he faces this time when those that have rallied around him are actually talking about stoning him. I think to myself as a leader, wow. When you got people around you that say, if you pick up a stone, I'll pick one up. If we all gather together and stone and kill him, maybe we'll be better off without him. And David heard of that. David had to do something so he could move forward, so we could read the rest of Scripture. He actually had to encourage himself in the Lord. Well, let's pray together. Father, help us now in this time, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I read something years ago, and I kind of found it here in my study once again. This is kind of a facetious story, but I think you'll get the thrust of what this is saying. It was advertised that the devil was putting up for sale all of his tools. On that date, the tools were all laid out. They had prices marked on them for public inspection, and there were a lot of treacherous instruments. Hatred, envy, jealousy, deceit, pride, lying, and on and on. All these tools were laid out. Laid apart from the rest of the devil's tools was a tool but it was worn more than any of the others, and it was priced very high. What's the name of this tool? asked one of his customers. That, the devil replied, is discouragement. Why have you priced it so high? Because discouragement is more useful to me than all the others. I can pry open and get inside a man's heart with that when I cannot get near him with any other tools. 
It's badly worn because I use it on almost everybody since so few people know it belongs to me. I think you get the idea. We find so many things in life and the devil wants to get involved and see what ways he can discourage us. No doubt we read about David being discouraged. Probably if I asked for a show of hands, almost every person in here has been discouraged at one time or another. If you don't raise your hand, it's probably because you've forgotten those times you've been discouraged. All of us have gone through it. It doesn't matter whether you're in the ministry. It doesn't matter whether you're newly saved. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done in this life. All of us have faced discouragement. And discouragement is still the devil's tool today. Not many people realize how he's using it on us And he's using on many of us in this particular day. Life is full of discouraging circumstances. The most blessed people, the most successful people, the most spiritually mature people face constant disappointment and discouragement. And ultimately, the idea that I want to share today and get across from this passage is that discouragement is not the place to stay. It is a place to realize that the devil wants to keep you down, and it is important that we get out with God's help. Let's look at this passage for just a moment and talk about the causes for discouragement. The causes of discouragement. First of all, I notice in these verses that I read that there are some causes of David why he was discouraged. I'll give you four of those. First of all, in verse number one, the loss of his fortress, the loss of his fortress. Now, if you notice here in verse number one, the Bible says that David and his men were come to Ziklag on that particular day. Now, Ziklag was located in the lower part, the southern part of Judah. David is not king yet at this point, so he's not reigning in Jerusalem. He doesn't have a throne there. But he's got a particular fortress that has been established there in this city known as Ziklag. It's where David and his men, after battling for Saul and doing the Lord's work, he would come back to that place. And you and I all know that our home is our castle. That was a place where David would reside. It would be a place where he let his hair down. It'd be a place where he could rest and enjoy. But when he came back, he noticed that that had been uh, put in disarray and had actually been destroyed. It had, in fact, it says that it had been burned with fire. All of you that have gone through some things with the hurricane know that it, when you mess with your home, you mess with everything about your security and safety and everything about your life. David found that the loss of his fortress had really affected him bad. But secondly, I want you to notice the loss of his family. From verses 2 to 5, it mentions here that as they came back, that they found that the women, they were not killed, but they were taken captive. David's two wives that are here, mentioned in verse number 5, Ahinoam and Abigail were both taken captive. All of the men that served with David had their wives and their children were taken captive. And again, now, it's one thing to go ahead and deal with the loss of your home. But now, the loss of family. They're not with you. You can't kiss them. You can't hug them at night. 
They're gone. You don't know whether they're being tortured, what's going on. So the loss of family. But notice number three, another thing that was a cause for discouragement in verse number four, a loss of fortitude. Look at verse number four. David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept. And notice this last phrase, until they had no more power to weep. Have you ever cried that hard? Probably some of you have. I mean, when you've gone through some things and you have wept till there's no more tears that come out, you're so discouraged, you're so distraught over what happens, you have just lost all strength. I have met many times people that I have tried to help as a pastor and tried to work with, and, and, and they'll often just say to me, Pastor, I just, I, I have no more strength. I just don't feel like I can go on. I don't feel like I can make it happen any longer. That's what David and his men felt like. I mean, they lose their, their, their castle, their home. They lose their family. And now he loses all strength. But number four, to add everything onto this, he lost his fame. David's greatly distressed. And here's what kind of piled on. The Bible tells us that the people spake of stoning him. Wow. You talk about discouragement. You talk about major depression that could set in and discouragement. The cause for David's discouragement is laid out in these verses. Now, I want to ask you, when you've been discouraged, what is it that has caused you to be discouraged? You know, as you go through the Bible, and again, I'm, I'm going to highlight these things. I, I, I'm not going to park for very long at any of these, but I'm going to throw out a few things that might be a cause for your discouragement. First of all, notice the causes in your own life. Number one might be a demanding workload. It might be that you are working your fingers to the bone and you're working many hours and, and you just find yourself tired and weary and that then brings in discouragement. You know, Moses one day when the people were complaining, and that seems to have happened quite a bit when Moses led them, they complained and they murmured. And one day Moses said to God, he said, look, he said, these people and I'm paraphrasing, this is in the John International Version, okay? He said, these people are driving me nuts. They're driving me nuts. He said, you've brought me in to lead these people out, and this is too heavy of a burden for me to carry. My shoulders are weighed down, if you will, with this burden. I mean, he felt the workload. All of the complaining, all of the counseling he had to do, everything he had to do to lead them and to be listening to God, and yet he felt so weighed down, and the man was discouraged. Could I say a very possible thing for you is that you have a heavy workload, and you need to look at that. Secondly, cause for discouragement in your own life is personal defeat. Personal defeat. You know, I hate to say it, the, whole, the Christian life is not always victory after victory after victory. Every one of us, myself included, have had defeats in our life. 
where we've yielded to temptation, where we've given in to something uh, that the devil has bartered with us, and we decided we were going to follow that. And then we get into that, and we get discouraged. Remember Joshua in Joshua chapter 7? Remember after they had this great victory in Jericho? And it was so encouraging that they didn't even have to pull out any of their weapons. They marched around. The walls fell down. They were able to take the people captive. And boy, what a great victory. And then they began to discuss them to themselves in the war room the next day. Hey, look, there's a smaller city by Ai. Let's just take a few people. Don't take a lot. Leave them back. We'll go down and we'll be done with this half a day. We'll be back for lunch. Make sure the peanut butter jelly sandwiches are ready. And they go down. And those people in Ai chase them out and they come back and they're defeated. Boy, you read Joshua chapter 7. Joshua literally putting dust on his head, sitting down before the Lord, discouraged and saying, why did you lead us out? It would be better if we were back on the other side of the Jordan River. Discouragement because of defeat. So I want to encourage you, Keep right with God, but recognize that it might be some sin in your life that needs to be dealt with that's causing that discouragement. Number three, an apparent failure. Now I say apparent because I think of Elijah. Remember Elijah? You ought to look through the scriptures and see people that are discouraged. You can learn a lot about the prophet Elijah. Now, when I picture Elijah, I picture this bombastic preacher that would stand here and would not be phased by any person that is living for the world. That's just what I picture about Elijah. But one day he's on Mount Carmel, has this great victory. And imagine now, here it is, that the prophets of Baal are taken care of, they're killed because they're not worshiping God. And, and Elijah sees these people that are worshiping God. And he comes down and all of a sudden he gets word through Jezebel that she says, you know what, you've killed my prophets. And tomorrow by this time, your life is going to be taken. And what does he do? He runs out and sits down and just basically says to God, I'd rather die. Amazing. Now, why did he say that? Because he thought to himself that he was the only one living for God, that there was nobody else, and therefore he was a failure before God. How many times Christians have thought that they were a failure? They may have had some victories and some things, but they felt like they were a failure. So that could be one. Another reason is poor physical health. I've seen people who are very discouraged because they're, they're just, they have constant chronic illnesses and it weighs them down. Those things affect the spirit. The hardness of life's journey. The difficulty of a task. You ought to go through Nehemiah and read here in Nehemiah about when they're building the wall and they're going through what God has called them to do and they had all sorts of opposition coming their way. I mean, they had opposition from the enemies. They were tired. 
and worn out from the work that they were doing. There was too many problems in a way. Nehemiah chapter 4 verses 10 through 11 talks about the rubble that was all there and they were just discouraged. So what I'm saying here is all these reasons that are listed here, hardness of life's journey, difficulty of the task, all of these things are causes for discouragement in our own life. But lastly, another thing that may be in our life is failure to confront Satan's lies with truth. Oh, how many times I find people that just are so weighed down because they're believing all of the lies of the devil and they're not living victorious for Jesus. My friend, as we sang this morning, we're on the winning side. We're not on the losing team. We're not on a losing battle. We're here on God's side. And therefore, for you to believe the lies that the devil's telling you and to say, well, yeah, if I get in and get involved in this in the world, or maybe this is okay, or maybe, maybe the Bible doesn't really mean that. My friend, hold to God's standards, live for God. Don't believe the lies of the devil. Because when you do, you'll find yourself discouraged. But now what's the counsel to overcome encouragement or discouragement? The counsel to overcome discouragement. I may have written that down wrong, and I did. So it's the counsel to overcome discouragement, all right? Number one, commit yourself to God. Commit yourself to God. Look at what David did in verse number six. This is really where I take the title of this message. After all of this had happened to him, his fortress was taken, his family, his uh, fame, all of this stuff, the Bible says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. I was reading something this week. The preacher D. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, as Christians, and I'm going to paraphrase We need to quit listening to ourselves and start talking to ourselves. What does he mean by that? You know, many times we'll sit down and we'll start listening. Oh, life's bad over here. This is bad. That's terrible. This is awful. And we start getting discouraged by everything that we're looking around and we're listening for all of this. And we need to start mounting up with God's help and saying, you know what? All of this around me may be bad, but my name's still written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm on the winning side. God has done great things for me, and therefore I will rejoice in God my Savior and decide to encourage myself. David had to kind of pick himself up. Now, this is not anything, you know, he just had to make a decision to say, all right, God, you've got me here. I've lost my family, lost my fortitude, my fortress, my fame, all of this stuff, but I'm going to trust in you that you have something. And you know what's nice is we got the rest of the story. We look at the end. Did God help David out? Yes, he did. But right in the midst of something, we think to ourselves, oh, this doesn't look too good. 
No, no. I love what David said in the Psalms. I've been young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Can all of you older people testify to that? Sure. You can say, I was young. I thought things were troubling. I lost a job, didn't know how I was going to make ends meet. I had struggles here, had issues and problems there. But you know what? There was problems in my young life. I've seen problems even in my older life. But you know what? God's never forsaken me. It's always been there. And so what David had to do is had to encourage himself. Because as discouraging times sometimes go, you're not going to find any encouragement right around you. How many times you've gotten in with your family and it seems like your family's all against you? It seems like everybody else seems to be discouraged and you're kind of standing alone, isolated. Well, where do you have to go? Up, look to God, get in His Word. And my friend, in those discouraging times, you get with God and begin talking to yourself and encourage yourself in the things of God. So, number one, commit yourself to God. But here's the practical areas that you can consider. Consider these practical areas, and I'll give these to you, and I'll be done. Number one, repent and face up to any disobedience. In other words, if there is a sin in your life that is causing a discouragement, get it right. Sometimes we say, oh, this Christian life is too hard. You know, I hate to say it, we make it hard sometimes on ourselves. We get involved in some sinful area. We get involved in in something that we know is wrong, and then discouragement automatically comes with it, and we start blaming God for the discouraging times. My friend, repent of the wrongdoing, get right before God, and find that God will encourage you through it. So repent and face up to any disobedience. Number two, reject any fear of doubt. Faith and doubt don't go well together. Faith in God is, all right, God, if you're leading this way, I may not see how it all works out, but I'm trusting you. Doubt is, "Mm, I don't think I'm going to do that. I don't think that's going to work. I don't know how that's going to happen. Oh, this is miserable. This is bad. You've got to reject any fear of doubt. Let me tell you, you cannot, you will not live for God as long as you doubt Him. As long as you doubt what God will do. Number three, recall God's past work in your life. You know how to help yourself get out of the blue funk? Recall what God's done before. Every one of us here tonight, can go back in our life and recognize something God's done. But God's helped you in some way. I, but it's a matter of us actually thinking. And that's why the word recall is used, because when we get into a discouraging time, all we think about is what's around us. But I want to tell you, you got to start going back in your mind and go, oh yeah, I had this happen, and here's what God did. This problem came up. And God answered this way, and God helped me here, and God did this for me. And all of a sudden, now you start thinking to yourself, wait a minute, God God can help me right here. And He truly can. So recall God's past work in your life. Number four, review God's ways in Scripture. You know why you're encouraged to read Scripture? is because you read of a God who has helped so many other people out. 
Look at how God helped out Israel. Look at what God did for them, how he led them. Every time they came up to them, God came through. Every time they came before an enemy that they thought, we're not able to get past this, God helped them. And I want to tell you something tonight, that as we review in the Word of God, His ways and the things that He has done, we're able to see, you know what? If God did it for them, He can also help me. But lastly, number five, report to God for the next task. You know, it's been sad for me as a preacher is to see when people get discouraged that they check out. They don't come to church anymore. They quit on God. And then you go visit them a few months later, several months later, a year, two years later, and they're sitting there in their rocker and they're just saying, well, you know, God just wasn't fair to me. God just didn't help me here. And uh, preacher, I, I, I'm just, I'm a little bothered. I'm a little put out with God. And I'm telling you, I've watched those people and their life has not helped much spiritually because they basically have walked out on God because they think God's walked out on them. Where's the verse where the Bible says that all things work together for good to them that love God? And so could I encourage you that when you go through these times, yes, the tendency is to say, I think I'm going to step out on this. Instead, get through what you're going through. Repent if it's needed to be done. Reject any fear of doubt. Recall God's past work in your life. Review God's way in your scripture. And then come to God and say, God, I'm reporting for your next assignment. I'm ready to go. And you know what I found? When I get before God and get ready to do the next thing that God has given to me, God gives that joy because there's no greater thing in the world than to serve the Lord. The joy of the Lord, the Bible says, is our strength. You want strength? Find a way to get that joy of the Lord. And getting that joy of the Lord is by serving, serving Him. You know, looking to the Lord and finding that encouragement as David did. David encouraged himself in the Lord. It's a powerful thing to realize that God can and will do something. I read a cute little story years ago. There was a man that was passing by a particular baseball field and there was this Little League baseball game going on. He looked at the scoreboard and saw that it didn't look too good. And he asked one of the young people that was playing, he was out in the outfield there. He said, what's the score? The young boy said, 18 to nothing. Well, said the man, he said, uh, I must say, you look a little bit discouraged. The boy looked at him. He said, discouraged? Why should we be discouraged? We haven't yet gotten up to bat. I like that. I want to tell you something. When you get discouraged, you ought to be able to answer, God isn't finished working yet. God's going to do something. David, at the most critical time of his life, where he could have hung in the hat and quit on God, and we would have read no more, there would have been no 2 Samuel. 
But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. 